Welcome to Monk's Tape. Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of Monk's Take. Today we have a special treat for you. Uh, we have former baseball and men's basketball assistant, among many other things here at St. Joseph's College, <laughs> uh, Jim Grafham. Jim, thank you so much. Uh, I feel like this is overdue. Uh, we, we've had many podcasts where, where we've had some former coaches and mention your name, and I've been wanting to do this for a long time, so thanks for joining us. Well, I certainly appreciate that, and uh, and and to be remembered at my age is good, I guess. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we we see you uh, every so often around here with with Hall of Fame induction ceremonies and some of your players and your teams going in. Uh, you know, just kind of talk about what that's like for you to come back to the college now uh, versus when you were here back in the eighties, eighties, and early nineties. Yeah, what a what 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 a treat it is to come back. I mean, uh, when I see where the school is now, and you know, to have that perspective of uh, you know, uh, we had an office that was I think I was in one of the bathroom closets or something. I can't <laughs> remember over in the old uh, Curia Gymnasium and uh, the uh, Chamber of Horrors. And uh, anyway, we while I was there, they built the extension on the uh, on the gymnasium, and uh, then through Dick Bailey's efforts and Sister Joyce and everybody else, they built the baseball fields. And, you know, what a what a, a treat to go back and, and look at those. I mean, uh, wow. I remember many, many hours going over there and mowing the lawn. Or, uh, I mean, mowing the fields or uh, watering them and stuff like that. And then to, to see the beautiful gymnasium and, you know, the, the, the school has just, you know, taken off. And I, I'm... Uh, I'm 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 happy for them and uh, proud of the fact that I I didn't screw it up while I was there. I I, I tried to push it forward. So, so you started here, Coach. Uh, you mentioned in our earlier conversation uh, you were an assistant uh, for a year or two in the late '70s when Rick Simons got here. Uh, but just kind of talk about that a little bit, like your chronology, how you got started here, where you were before, and, and those kinds of things. Yeah, uh, I uh, I actually started my coaching career at uh, at Bristol South Bristol Elementary School, and uh, anyway, then I went to Madomic Valley under the legendary coach Art Dyer, and I was the uh, high school baseball coach there at Madomic, and then I got a head basketball job at Bonnie Eagle, and then when uh, when Dick Bailey came in and he hired. Uh, Rick, who was obviously you know my best buddy, Rick enticed me to go over, go over and be his assistant in basketball for a year. So that was '79 when uh, it, you know the first year, and uh, what a what a year that was, Corey. We 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 upset USM a couple times, and uh, it kind of made a splash in the, in in Southern Maine that uh, hey we were going to be reckoned with. And anyway, uh, after that year, I went back to Bonnie Eagle for two. And then uh, Rick called me at the uh, in 1982 and said, "Listen, I got a, I got the head baseball job and uh, about five other things. And if you want to come over, we'll we'll uh, we'll gladly accept you." And uh, I had to tell my wife that we were taking a cut in pay and that I was going to be working <laughs> 70 hours a week. But uh, anyway, I wouldn't I wouldn't have traded any of it. It was uh, it was well worth it, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. We. Um, Obviously, uh, you know, Rick had, had uh, really established the uh, 
the basketball program and the baseball program was really, really, uh, you know, struggling. They just, I think I was talking to Paul Flynn, my captain, uh, the other day, and he said that he had four coaches in four years and, uh, you know, you, you need, you need continuity. Plus we were playing our games down at, uh, in Standish at the Babe Ruth field there. So, uh, you know, that wasn't uh, an, an enticing thing to show anybody who, who you were recruiting. But anyway, we had 11 uh, players on that first team. And then, uh, you know, I think when I left uh, in 1990, we had 30. So uh, we were, I was, uh, I was proud of that. So, uh, yeah, I've heard many stories about playing in, on the fields uh, off campus. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know how, I mean, recruiting, Probably wasn't the same as as it is now. I mean, every everybody is always going everywhere. Every every time you go to an event, you see polos from every school imaginable. Um, but I'm sure it was still competitive recruiting the the high talent, and you know, you, you definitely couldn't show them your field. Yeah, yeah, no, it was. It, <laughs> <laughs> well, as, as as Paul Flynn told me the other day, he said, "Coach, I had four coaches tell me that that we were building a field on campus." <laughs> yeah, that makes that makes sense. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. But uh, anyway, yeah, and uh, you know, it was uh, it was obviously a different time back then. Uh, uh, USM was the uh, was the standard of the NAIA baseball and basketball back then, and so we were kind of going up against what what they were doing. And in baseball, they as they do today, they 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 attracted a lot of uh, kids that would gone away to they might have gone to Orono to play or or D two school somewhere, and, and then they transfer back. And so what I decided, uh, my my dad was a baseball player, and he grew up in you know, Lemington and Standish. And so I said, you know what, there's probably some pretty good players at some of these smaller schools. And, and so I went local and, uh, I was able to attract, you know, guys that, that, that they just love baseball and, uh, that, that really helped get us going. And, and we, we, I wouldn't say quickly, but we ultimately got to the point where, where we could compete with, uh, with, with, with St. Joe's and, and obviously, you know, the, with the NAI, the way it was back then, if you could win your region, you could, you could, you know, advance to the areas. And uh, uh, we we lost in the we we my my first year we were nine and ten, lucky to survive. <laughs> when you it wasn't hard to make out the lineup card, Corey, because we only had eleven guys, so uh, there was uh, plenty of playing time. But anyway. Uh, the uh, the second year we got beat two to one by USM in a playoff game, play-in game, and then the uh, third year we actually lost to them in the championship. And then they 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 left and went NCAA after that year, and then the next year we we uh, won the uh, New England uh, championship. So uh, it was uh, it was quite a time. But I'm uh, I'm really you know I was really pleased and happy that we were able to do it. As I said, with 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 a lot of a lot of local kids and, uh, you know, from small schools that uh, might, might've been overlooked and, you know, kind of, kind of represented me because, you know, I was from Waldenboro and, you know, nobody, nobody knows where that is. So, uh, uh, but, uh, anyway, it was kind of, um, you know, satisfying to, to see these, these guys who, as I said, love baseball and, and, uh, and got, got that opportunity to, to, to win a championship. So, 
Well, looking back, you, you said you had uh, 10, 11 guys on that first team. It, it seems like uh, you, you had one heck of a recruiting class almost right away, uh, you know, with uh, you know, Dick Flaherty and Arlo Pike and the Moochie yeah, twins. Yeah. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and so talk about how you manage that. Uh, you mentioned you had to tell your wife you're going to work 70 hours a week for less pay. <laughs> Well, certainly you definitely did that uh, just by looking at how you built a baseball team really quickly. So talk, talk about that process. Yeah. Well, first off, the, the uh, Steve McDowell uh, was, was here as our catcher and, and he was from Portland and, uh, and, and we, uh, I, I, got an affinity for, for, for Portland kids too, as much as I like the small town guys, you know, those guys were, were, uh, were competitors and we got Richard, Richard Flaherty to come in and, uh, boy, oh boy, that made such a big difference to the program. He, he was the, you know, number one pitcher on our team when he walked on campus and, uh, and he, he lived up to that for, for the whole time that he was there. He, he pitched against the best teams and, you know, he, he, he was the reason that, that we won championships, but we also, you know, we, we were able to, cause I scrambled around and, you know, like, like a lot of, uh, programs that are building. I mean, you're, you're kind of like the Statue of Liberty. I mean, give me whoever you think can play a little bit and then we'll try to make them better. Mm. And, uh, and we just, we just, I just went around and, you know, I spent a lot of hours, uh, you know, on the road and on the phone talking to coaches and, and, uh, you know, and then uh, I found out that uh, as, as Rick had taught me that, if, if, if I could get into a living room and talk to the parents, uh, I, I, I normally was reasonably successful because I got a main accent and, uh, <laughs> you know, so, uh, it was, it, it and, and I, and I, I'll say this, uh, St. Joe's was, was an easy sell because, uh, it was an, it, an excellent education because they were in small classes, you know, that we, we, we had good majors for, for, for athletes and, you know, to, to sell them on a dream that, Hey, you know, we're going to, we're going to be good, but, but we need guys who are competitors who want to, who want to come in. And, and as you said, I mean, the, the pikes of the world and, uh, you know, the mutual clarities, you know, Steve McDowell, and then, then you get a Kevin Fitzgerald and, you know, and I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, Willie Sanborn, uh, he had, he had played basketball for me at, uh, at Bonnie uh, Eagle and had gone to Springfield for a year and then transferred back. Uh, you know, he was a mainstay in the, in the outfield and I used to pitch him a little bit till we both figured out that that wasn't going to work. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, he'll, 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 he'll get a kick out of that. But anyway, um, so, uh, and we, you know, Frank Van Zandt and, uh, you know, just, I, I could go on and on about those guys. One of the things that, that I did, Corey, cause it was legal back then. Uh, we, we had fall baseball, uh, you know, once, we, once we got the feel in 85, I mean, it was, it was easy cause we had lights and so the, the, the kids would go to class and then fall baseball, I mean, for 30 days in September, we would be, be on the field. And so, uh, you know, they, they'd come out after supper. We, we, we'd go over, uh, you know, some fundamentals and then, then we'd play an inter squad game. And on the, on the weekends, uh, because we had, we had this wonderful facility and had lights and everything. Uh, I used to have, uh, tournaments 
And as I said, it was a different time back then. So uh, we had we had uh, awesome tournaments. I can remember I had 40-some kids try out for the team, and so I split my team in two, and then we had to play Holy Cross and uh, UNH, and UMaine was there, UConn <laughs> came up. Fordham was here. I mean, what a, you know, as a a Jim Grafham would have loved to have played in that situation because, (laughs) you know, none none of my kids got recruited by any of those teams. And yes, we didn't face, you know, the Billy Swifts and the guys that signed pro contracts all the time, but we faced scholarship guys. And what a, what, what a great experience for that, for, for those guys, for that, for that 30 days. I mean, I I think I, I tried to play, you know, 24 or 25 games. And, uh, it was, it was, it it was great. And then come the spring, uh, back then you could play 50 games in the NAIA and it was difficult due to the weather, but we would, we would schedule 50 games. And I think one year we were 28 and, and 20 or something like that. And then we got impacted by weather a couple of years, but so, so if you, if you follow what, what we're doing here, if you played 28 or 30 games in the fall and then 40 or 50 in the spring, and then what I did was, and you couldn't do this today, I had a, I entered the team in the Portland Twilight League. And so I took the players and, and you know, we, we played another 35 games. And that was a wonderful experience because we had the Portland Twilight League is, uh, you know, very good baseball because you had – minor leaguers uh, who, you know, didn't quite make it coming back playing. You had the best college players around and, and, and it was, it was great. I mean, we didn't, we didn't win a lot of games, but once again, if you look at the whole thing, if you, if you played for Jim Graffham for a year, you would, you would play almost a hundred games. Wow. Yeah. I've heard some stories about that and, and, I mean that's incredible. Certainly for guys that are hardcore baseball players, that's exactly what they want. And to be able to play together like that, that's how, that's really a, a great way to build a team. Uh, you know, nowadays it's it's certainly like you said, not like that. Um, <laughs> no, no, and, and and you're right. I mean the 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 camaraderie that came out of that, and it, but but it was just that learning curve of being able to face. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the guys that, that had played, you know, professional baseball and, and the other thing, Corey, I left this out, but when, when we went South back then and Willie does it right now, because, uh, you know, a lot of teams, a lot of Northern teams go South. So he, he plays them when he goes to Florida, but I used to schedule division one schools because you know, what, what, what the heck? I mean, uh, you, you're, you're going South. So, so we would come back, we'd be two and you know, 10 or something like that. But we had, we had played like old dominion and, uh, uh, Maryland and, uh, uh, Norfolk state. And I mean, all, all these teams that were, that were really, really good baseball programs. And I, I, um, I'll, I'll say this without denigrating my coach, but when I was in college, when I graduated, I felt I got, I got robbed because I, I, I didn't get a chance to, to play against those guys, you know, and, and I would rather have struck out against somebody who was, you know, really good than, than, you know, hit a, hit a home run against Farmington, I guess. But anyway, I, I, I I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, denigrate Farmington either, but uh, you, you know, I guess uh, if you, I wanted them to look back and say, you know what, that was a, that was a great experience that that I had. 
Yeah, that's for sure. And I, I'm looking at so that 1985 season looks like that was probably the first year that this program had a spring trip. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, it was. Yeah. So can you can you talk about? I mean, with our spring trip coming up right here in a couple of weeks, uh, you know, can you can you talk about how that was and and how that came together, organized, and and the trip itself and traveling and and all that quite different than yeah. what it is now. Oh yes, uh, obviously. And, and we, uh, you know, back then the school only had, I think two, two vans. So we tried to pile 18 guys in two vans and head out. And we only went to, uh, to Virginia because, uh, that that's where the weather kind of broke down there. And, uh, but, uh, uh, I, I remember that, that we had to do some, some fundraising for it, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, total. They the, the the school did help us with it, but that was that was obviously an expense because you're staying in hotels and and uh, and and doing that. Uh, I remember calling the 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 schools down there and saying, "Hey, you know, we're, we're NAIA D three school we're coming down. Is there a chance that we could play you?" And most of the uh, most of those scholarship programs wanted to get games, you know, like on a Wednesday uh, because they, they they played their conference games Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So uh, and it and it gave them a chance to pitch some of their their lesser guys and you know play some of their other guys. So uh, uh, that was, it was reasonably easy to to schedule. We. <laughs> It was it was a, a challenge though because I mean if you think of it you got to drive whatever it is there sixteen hundred miles or whatever twelve hundred to get to to get to Maryland and and uh, I always played my way down we'd play a couple of games in Massachusetts and then then one in you know Maryland or someplace like that and then settle into uh, we used to go to um, Virginia Beach a lot uh, that seemed to be a I got I got good off season rates right on the beach for the for the motel rooms and uh, and then there were there were all kinds of schools in that area that that wanted to play us so uh, uh, that was that was reasonably easy. Willie and I were talking the other day. I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, he's got what sixty kids going south. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I was, I was lucky if I had, you know, 22 or something. And, uh, so it was a, it was a, it, it was definitely was a different time, but we had to, you know, our assistant coaches and I had to do all the driving and, uh, and, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was just a different time, but, but you know what, I mean, we we didn't know any different. The the players didn't know any different. There wasn't going to be a jet that was going to take us to anywhere. We we had to do it ourselves, and it, it was a wonderful time. If you go to the '86 season, uh, that was the year that that we won a uh, 30 games, 34 games, and uh, we played. Uh, uh, VCU, Virginia Commonwealth University, on on the diamond, which is where the AAA Atlanta Braves played, and uh, and we actually beat them twice that day, seven to six, and uh, I it was it, it was just a great day, I can tell you that to to uh, see our guys compete at that level and to actually beat you know a, a reasonably good team that was uh, the, that was that was awesome. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. I have that schedule up, and it's it's you know Maryland was just a four to two loss, and yeah, you know, and, and we should have won that game, Corey. We were we were up two to one going into the eighth, 
And uh, Dick Dick pitched a heck of a game that day. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let me let me let me tell you this one because I I always smile when I think of this. We we played Old Dominion University, and they had just put up a hundred thousand dollar scoreboard, and they had beaten George Mason two days before they played us thirty five to four. Oh. And so, and we had lost a, to a D three team in the morning. And so here we are playing them at night and, uh, we, we get there that, that dugouts, uh, you could have warmed up in them. They were, they were like 80 feet long. I mean, it was unbelievable. They are taking batting practice and they got guys outside the fences, catching all the home run balls that they're, that, that they're hitting. Our guys are sitting there looking at them like, <laughs> Oh my goodness. So anyway, we get in the game and, uh, uh, we happened to uh, we 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 battled with them and we we, we uh, long story short we we lost eight to nothing but I brought Dick Flaherty in in the in the third inning and he shut him out from the third inning and, until the eighth and uh, the coach of Old Dominion later became the player personnel director for the New York Yankees and uh, I thought. I thought Dick was going to get drafted off that uh, uh, performance because uh, he he had told me he said, Coach, he said he's he's one of the best that we've seen all year. Here, here we are, our uniforms are all muddy, you know, because <laughs> we just played in the morning where they were reasonably tired. We got eye black all over every everywhere, and and uh, anyway, and we're playing this team that, you know, they had off that team they had eight guys that ultimately played pro baseball, so. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah, you mentioned again Dick Flaherty, and, and, you know, even as of maybe four or five years ago, he'd come to the alumni games, and he still <laughs> throws gas. I know. Well, I was there one day, and, uh, I mean, he'd, he'd struck out a couple guys, I'm going to, just yeah. as I remember it. Yeah, yeah recent. You know, he had, he had a tremendous, tremendous slider, and I, 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 I think – the, I, I think if he played for Will today, he he it would have been a certainty that that he would have been drafted because I mean he struck out a ton of guys for us, and he actually had a, a tryout for the Cincinnati Reds. They, they they sent a scout up after our season in his senior year, and I, I actually had to catch him. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, it it didn't work out, which I I was disappointed, but. Uh, but 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 like I said, I mean it was a different time. I I, I think if he was playing today, and that been a we, 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 he might have got a little bit more exposure, you know. Although I was I was trying to do the best I could because if if he pitched in the Twilight League, and there was there were scouts at all of those games. So yeah, that's the hard thing. We went through that with Charlie Furbush and losing him to LSU with a full scholarship yeah. in the Cape Cod League. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, exactly. Exactly. And I, and uh, you know, I, I don't, obviously Dick wasn't on that level, but, uh, but, but he was, he, he definitely could have, could have been a, a, a pro. There was, there was no question in my mind. So. I mean, he's still top five in, in so many categories. He's, know, he's still the all time leader in strikeouts, 256. And, 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 and Corey, think about this. I mean, in baseball, it, it's, it's stats as stats, but in baseball, if you think of it, I mean, he had to pitch against the ODUs and the Marylands and the, you know, the Western New Englands. I mean, he pitched against all the best teams. I mean, if I pitched him against Presque Isle and, and some of these other schools, I mean, I, I don't know where, yeah. where, where those, where those numbers would have wound up, you know, but, 
he was the he was the guy that took the pressure off everybody else, and uh, you know it allowed the Greg Gogginses and Wayne Johnsons and those guys to come in, and they were they were pitching against the second level pitches, and and they were really good too, and they wound up you know getting you know seven or eight wins because of that. Well, and the other thing, you know, baseball is baseball. That you know the the dimensions of fields and the 90 feet and 60 feet, six inches, all that. <laughs> None of that's changed, but the bats have changed tremendously. And, you know, you hear guys, not so much anymore, but, you know, when they went to the the new bats, the more safety-oriented style and then all that, and now we're testing bats before every game. You know, back then it was the Wild West. I mean, some of those bats, I mean, definitely minus five, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and maybe yeah. maybe even more. I don't even I don't even know, but uh, I'm sure the the ball really traveled far then. And nobody was keeping track yeah. of that. Yeah. Oh, I know. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have seen a couple of my pitchers give up some uh, long home runs at <laughs> on our field. <laughs> I can tell you that. But but anyway, we hit some too. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Uh, I, I look back on those years. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade that at all. And as and as I said, it was a, it was a lot of hours and a lot of work. But you know. The, the 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 fun of being a monk and being able to play on that field that I mean we were one of three schools in New England who had a lit field on on campus and uh, wow. you know that that was uh, that 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 was a sense of pride right there and and I, I mean we did a good job taking care of it I mean Willie has definitely you know expanded on that but uh, uh, you know I I players put a lot of work into making that that place look great and you know we just it was uh, it was uh, something I could look out my window in in the office of you know in the chamber of horrors and say, "Yep, that's great." Yeah, and that made recruiting a lot easier, obviously. Um, but so talk about that—the process of having that field built on campus, as opposed to not not being able to play on campus and playing in shoddy, uh, maybe shoddy fields. <laughs> well, I've seen, I've, yeah, I've seen Johnson Field. My son has played on Johnson Field as, as a as a little leaguer. Um, yeah, but but now you know, talking about Ward Park and and you know now yeah. known as Mahaney Diamond and 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 having that place built and and that process. What what you can recall about that? Yeah, well, first off, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll tell you this story. We were, we we were playing down in uh, Sebago Lake there on that Babe Ruth field, and uh, uh, this was the second year of our program, and uh, <laughs> we were playing Colby, and Colby shows up in this uh, you know huge bus, you know, and uh, a travel bus, and everything. They're they're all dressed to the nines, and my guys look like you know we 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 were as good as we could, but we were still St. Joe's. And anyway, so we go over the ground rules, and I remember Steve Gallant was pitching. It was our best pitcher at the time, and uh, <laughs> the third guy up. He hit a ball that would have been out of Grand Canyon, probably. I mean, it was belt to the right field. It hit the top of the pine trees out there. Oh my well, God! And uh, but I mean, the pine trees were only probably two hundred and thirty feet from home plate. So anyway, Alo Pike's playing right field. The ball's bouncing off branches coming down, and the guy thought that that he'd hit a home run. So he's just dog trotting around the bases, and we threw him out at home plate, and he was. <laughs> I rate and 
<laughs> and anyway, but the funny thing is, and we wound up shutting them out that day. It's the first time we ever beat Colby four to nothing. <laughs> anyway, they, they they got back on the bus with their wonderful uniforms, and I just kind of looked at my guys. Okay, <laughs> that that that's St. Joe's for you. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah, I love that. That's that's <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> but anyway, I was listening to the podcast that you did with Dick Bailey, and I can't say enough about him. He was he was fabulous. Uh, he was in charge of the of building the uh, the uh, complex, and it was going to be a baseball, softball, soccer uh, facility. And uh, anyway, uh, that 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 changed when we when we got the baseball and softball fields out there. We 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 put up fences, and they and, and so they never used it for a soccer field. But I can remember just they. I don't know how many yards of, of fill that they that they brought in there, but I mean they had to fill in everything. There was a rock in the middle of the baseball field that that they buried. I mean that thing had to be twenty feet across, and I don't know how deep it was, but I mean it was it was unbelievable. Believable, and and they they just covered it over and you know grassed it in and uh, and uh, it, it took about it took maybe a, a couple of years be, before it really kind of you know matured into that baseball field that that you wanted you know the the grass didn't come in quite right uh, and uh, you know all all of that sort of stuff we didn't have dugouts back then and uh, actually the uh, the the Mucci boys were uh, were masons and they they worked you know during the summer as uh, as bricklayers and so they actually built dugouts that that, that we have so um, maybe maybe Willie's expanded them I don't know but uh, anyway we we got that done and and then we got the fence up and we had to paint that and uh, you know had to put the the uh, the warning track in and uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't perfect in that, you know, left field's a little too close and it's a, uh, it's a baseball diamond. So you, uh, so you, you know, it's like being at Fenway, you gotta, you, you gotta live with, you know, what, what you got. It was a lot of, uh, you know, work behind the scenes. Like I said, I mean, I can remember going over there at, you know, 10 o'clock at night to uh, turn, turn off the sprinklers that we had going. And you mentioned mowing yourself. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I had an eighteen-inch mower or something back then. But anyway, oh that my was, goodness! <laughs> By the time you're done, you got to start over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just about. But but anyway, hey, it's uh, it it was what it was, and uh, and uh, you know we did it. So uh, that was a, that was the main thing. But it was a it, it was a sense of pride. I mean, on on campus. I mean, you you know you you were glad to see the Colbys and those people show up because hey, our field is, is probably be better than yours and uh and and it certainly is now uh it, it and it allowed us to host the naia playoffs most, most years because we had lights and if you had a little weather problem you could you know get 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 by it so uh which was which was a great advantage for us our kids could you know sleep in their own beds and just get out there and play so it made recruiting so much easier and and obviously, uh, because we had a perspective of where it, it came from, it, it was really something for for the kids that were there. According to my records, the first game played there was against Thomas College on April twelfth. Uh, Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, and and that was a 
uh, as I recall, that was quite a day because uh, they had a, they had a big ceremony. I remember there being a, a lot of people down on the field that day. I, I remember Sister Joyce being there and saying a few words, and and obviously Dick Bailey and and uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I have in the record book anyway as as uh, six to four and twenty one to three wins over Thomas. I remember playing Thomas uh, the year before that, and uh, for some reason we we actually played over at Bonnie Eagle, which uh, uh, I must have been scrambling around for a field then. So, uh, but uh, better than playing down at Standish with that uh, two hundred foot fence to right, but or trees and right, but but anyway, yeah, uh, that was uh, that that was a very very nice ceremony, and uh, I, I I believe I think somebody from the Ward family was there. It was all about St. Joe's growing and getting better and offering you know special things that other people didn't offer, and uh, it was it was a great thing. So. Yeah, and lights to have a lighted facility like that, oh. and, and you and, and you're saying it was one of three in New England at that time. What what yeah. went into adding adding lights to make it a premier facility like that? Some I, I don't know. I don't even know how this happened, but uh, I know Dick Bailey had a connection with the electrical company, and uh, and they donated. I, I think they donated materials and their time, and and they came in. I remember they they dug trenches all all the way around, and they. And they, and they, you know, obviously installed the poles and uh, and all of that. But yeah, there was a, a Dick had a connection to to somebody, uh, either a uh, an alum or, or something like that. But uh, and I can remember in the fall, we used to get phone calls from people across the lake saying, "We can see your lights that are on at you know <laughs> nine o'clock at night." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that stuff still happens today. <laughs> yeah, I bet it does. Yeah. But, Unfortunately, but but geez, I mean, you know, that was I. I just remember. I mean, I, I had nothing to do with this, and all of a sudden, all you know, here we are. The baseball program has got lights on the field, and they got a great field. And I'm not all that, and a bag of chips. And uh, but this this made my life a lot easier about getting kids in and being competitive, and and uh, putting St. Joe's on the map. So. Yeah, and all of it, practicing right on campus, all of those things. Yeah, yeah. Well, as as I mentioned, Corey, I mean, the the kids didn't didn't have to miss class, and so they could, you know, they they they'd come down at six thirty, and we'd be there till you know eight thirty and nine, and uh, you know, uh, it was it was fabulous. So it just made things a hundred percent easier than than what it what it was before that. So now that doubleheader sweep over Thomas in the, the first home games. That was in the middle of a 22-game winning streak that year, <laughs> which still stands, and and the second longest streak is 13. I mean, winning 22 okay. straight—that's that's practically national news, right? I mean, in baseball, <laughs> that doesn't happen. Yeah, and that was well, just a special year. Oh my God! Yeah, that was that that was fabulous. Uh, yeah, we went, uh, Corey. If, if you look at that, I think we went from uh, March 30th to April 28th and, and didn't lose a game. I yep, think that's exactly uh, right. Something, so, something like that. And I, and, and, you know, at the time I, I, I didn't think that much about it. I just call it in the paper. Yeah. We've won 18 in a row or whatever. <laughs> uh, there was an article written that it was the longest streak ever in the, in the state of Maine. And Orno later beat that. 
I, th- I think they won 24 straight or something like that, but it was like five or six years. It, w- it was while I was at St. Joe's. So it might've been in 1989 or something. That was back when they had, you know, Billy Swift and all those guys that made it to the majors. So, yeah. but anyway, this was, I had, I mean, we had a stud team. I mean, I, I, I all I had to do was fill out the lineup card and try to get out of the way because, I mean, we had pitchers that could pitch. We had guys that could hit. And we just rolled through that, that, that whole thing. I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was quite a time. And we, we, we never kind of, you know, got out of sync during, during that whole period. Uh, I do want to bring up one game, though, um, and I, I think if you look that up, uh, we were playing Gordon, a doubleheader, and and Gordon wasn't wasn't very good. They were they, they were NAIA, but they weren't <clears throat> historically a, a powerhouse. And I remember us showing up there, and I got out of the van. And I looked there were there were four scouts at this game, and no one had called me, so I, I knew it had to be somebody on the other team. And uh, come to find out, it was their their pitcher, and uh, he was he was a stud, and we were behind. I want to say three to one, and we had a couple guys on it. Willie Sanborn was up at the plate. Is I'm I'm pretty sure it was during this time, but anyway, uh, he was up at the plate, and this kid hit him right in the helmet. Ooh. Oh my God! And I mean, he, he was he was really getting it up there that that day. And I, Willie went down and cut his uh, head, and I had to take him out of the game. But it shook the guy up so much that we wound up scoring five runs, and I and, and we wound up beating them. I think six to three or six to four or something like that. But if that hadn't happened, I, I told Willie that was one of the best things he's ever done for that program. Was the- <laughs> <laughs> oh man, poor, if nothing else, it, it ruined that poor guy's uh, chances of getting drafted. I think he did get drafted because, man, oh man, I mean, he was he, he was he was good. He's like six four, and uh, as I said, he rushed it up to the plate pretty good. So, but uh, anyway, yeah, that was. Uh, but but that, that that whole period, you know, during that during that month, I mean, we just we just you know get off the off the van somewhere and someone would hit a two run homer and we had enough kids back then so that I played maybe six different guys in the in the second game or four different guys and someone someone there would uh, would, would do something and with uh, Greg Goggins behind Dick and and uh, Wayne Johnson and uh, I was trying to think of uh, who else we had but uh, it, it was just it was it, it was easy, as I said, as a as a coach, I I just tried to you know stay out of the way. So talk about the end of that season and the run that you guys made, like in the playoffs and the New England championship. I think things are so different now uh, with how that works. And and if you look back at the record books, there's the region and there's you know, the area five and there's yeah, you know, yeah, all that. Can you can you kind of go into that? Maybe clear that up for some people. Yeah, uh, the uh, the New Englands were uh, the NAIA New England Championship was held at Western New England that year, and they they had been kind of the favorite to to win, and uh, Dick actually beat them in the uh, in the championship. So uh, which uh, was fabulous. Uh, you know, it was what a what a satisfying feeling to to go through. You know all that we had done. You know the fall baseball, the you know the Grafham's rookies in the, <laughs> the Twilight League, and and uh, you know playing a, you know all this stuff, and then finally to to get it over the hump, 
uh, having, having lost in the championship the year before and everything. So it was great. And, and back then, uh, you went from the district into the areas and that uh, our area included Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, and, and all of New England. We played in New York and, uh, we actually matched up against the uh, team that had actually been ranked uh, number five in the nation, Point Park University out of Pennsylvania. Ah. And, and, uh, and, and Dick, Dick was fabulous. Uh, he, he, he got us into the ninth, uh, three to three. And uh, I, I, I brought Wayne Johnson in. Here we are battling this team that is you know, nationally ranked. They got guys that are going to get drafted. I mean, it was it was a fabulous game. And uh, anyway, in the uh, in the twelfth inning, I believe uh, a guy walked, and I put uh, Timmy Curley in to run. He stole second, and Willie Sanborn, who he's been known to do. Willie could not pull a ball to left field if I asked him, if I told him I'd give him a million dollars, he could not pull a ball to left field. And so anyway, he handled a hit to right field and Timmy Curley scored the, the winning run. And what a, what, what a great feeling that was uh, to, to be able to, you know, prove that, that we could play with a, with a team like that. And then and we had to drive, about 45 minutes from that field to get to the, the, the other field we were playing on. And the uh, steam went out of the, uh, the air went out of the balloon on the way over there. I remember we got beat eight to nothing. And then point pot came back and beat us like 11 to three on the, on the second day. But anyway, we were, we were primed to uh, make it to the uh, college world series. Cause if we'd won that area, we, we would have gone. So, but that's anyway. incredible though. That did, Little St. Joe's, right? Little St. Joe's is right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, uh, we didn't mention this, Corey, but when I went to St. Joe's, they, we only had maybe 150 kids on campus. So, you know, it was just like, wow. And then and then I think in the middle 80, uh, not, yeah, 80s, we, we were up to like five, five or 600. And then I, I don't know where they are today, but it's a heck of a lot more than that. So, uh, but, yeah, it was – it was the the little engine that could. If you work at it, <laughs> if you work at it hard enough, and you're competitive, and you want to you want to try to win, and you want to play against good competition, you know that was that that was little St. Joe's back then. And that and that season, you look at the roster and the stats, and you, you see Arlo Arlo Pike and, uh, oh, and Bill man. Mucci and and Bob Mucci and and uh, our recent Hall of Fame inductee uh, Kevin Fitzgerald. Uh, you know that that team was was pretty well stacked, like you said. You know, then the next year we, we were sputtering that 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 year. That, it was it was a year that I, I thought that we should have won the whole thing again, and, and we and we made it to the finals. And Husson beat us nine to eight. It was a it was a tremendous disappointment because it was the Pikes and Pike and the Muchies and and uh, you know Flaherty and those guys last year. So uh, yeah. that was. A tremendous disappointment. Yeah, that's always hard when you have guys like that that have helped the program get where it was, and and uh, <laughs> yeah. it and ends on a sour note. But uh, yeah, that's baseball, yeah. right? That's baseball. It, yeah, it is. It is baseball. There's, there's no question. And anyway, you know, one person that we haven't mentioned, that, and I should, was uh, Chris Hopkins, mm. who has passed away. He was a very special uh, Jim Graham person in that. 
he hated me. (laughs) (laughs) He, uh, he came in after his freshman year and he said, coach, I'm not playing baseball ever again here. And I, you know, so we sat down, had a conversation. He wound up coming back to play his junior and senior year and, and he was all district. He was, he was fabulous. He was a tremendous teammate. He w- he was my best buddy. He really made an impact on the program because his personality was so outgoing and he was, he was a guy the guys looked at. He was a catcher at six, four. He had a great arm. He could, he could hit. And just to, to come from where, where he was, you know, the discipline that I put onto him and, uh, you know, the, the being held accountable and that sort of stuff. And, and, and to come back, I saw him at that alumni game when, uh, when Dick was pitching and he was catching and he gave me a big hug and that was that was special yeah and very sad his passing and and uh he was always a, a, a great alum and he came all the way back from california many times i know i know uh, yeah and a great guy yeah yeah and, and you know in, in my career i've had you know several of them like that that you know they 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 don't quite get it until maybe their second year or their third year. But, but, but when they do, they, they become loyal alums and, and, you know, friends of, of you as a person. And, uh, he was, he was, he was great. So, uh, and I, I was glad to have, you know, seen him on that day, but also to, to know that, that he'd been such a, such a great alum after, after I left. You have a military background, correct? Uh, yeah, I was 22 years in the Maine Army National Guard, yeah. So from what I understand, your practices and, and maybe your conditioning and things like that kind of mirrored your military background? <laughs> is that is that safe to say? <laughs> yeah, you, you, you would be correct. <laughs> could you, could yeah, you give us I, an example? Yeah, yes, I can. Uh, well, I, yeah, I was the one that, that uh, helped Rick put together his, uh, his, his conditioning program, which I took to Westbrook and anyway, the, the kids always hated it, but this is, this, this is me. So, uh, and, uh, I'm not bragging, but I, I was in the military for 22 years and I maxed our PT test until I was 41 Wow. and I would, and, and I would have maxed it that year, but they lowered the, the two mile run from 1206 down to 1154. <laughs> And I could only do a 1206. And anyway, so having said that, I I put together a conditioning program. And yes, I used to make the baseball team because during the winter, we had to practice in the Chamber of Horrors, obviously. And so basketball was going on. So we had to do this stuff in the morning. So I would go over to the school at six and get the guys up. And they had to run two miles. In 12 minutes, they had to do uh, two minutes of sit-ups. They'd do 60 sit-ups in two minutes, 60 push-ups in two minutes. And then, then I put them through some stations and stuff like that. So I felt that if I, at age my age, could max a PT test, then doggone it, some 18-year-old kid could probably do the same thing. And uh, they didn't like it, but, but they did it. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember the, the, the day that the shuttle blew up uh, yeah. and, and uh, we were, we were running sprints from the uh, God house up the, up the hill and man, the wind was whistling. There was snow blowing around. It was unbelievably cold. And 
Anyway, that uh, I, I just remember that, and I and I also remember this. Ronnie Ronnie Pluard told me this. They said, Coach, we used to think that you were crazy because we we do a sprint up the hill and jog back down, and while we're waiting, you're up there doing push-ups. And I said, Well, I was just getting ready for the PT test that I had to take later on. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> This this isn't Jim Graffham. This is this is what I learned from from the military. Uh, uh, if you if you put people through a physical program like that, there's an instant bond. Yeah, they you know like when we were in basic training. Yeah, you 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 didn't like doing it, so you hated the drill sergeants, but you but you did it, and and you all suffered together. But you also got. Yeah, physically in shape and it and it helped you mentally be able to do something that that you might not have thought that you could do it, it, it made you realize that we're all a member of a team and that we got to help each other and we got to be you know encouraging of each other and you also challenge yourself to the point where wow you know what i can do this it was great funny thing that i've always chuckled about when i got the westbrook college job they hadn't had sports there for 45 years mm. and so my, my first basketball team had no clue that that, that they were going to go through this conditioning program and they had no upperclassmen to tell them <laughs> that, that 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 this was coming so they were they were clueless <laughs> and they still talk about it today as as, as you can imagine so um, <laughs> one, one, one of the things that 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 I did th- this was hard was if you didn't do the two miles on the first day, if you didn't do it in, in 12 minutes, then you had to do it every day for the next 10 days until you did it in, in, in 12 minutes. And so that was, uh, you know, on top of everything else, you had to go out and do two miles. Now you didn't have to, if you wanted to try it for time, you could, but probably you wouldn't get it done until uh, later in that uh, conditioning program. So That's incredible. Now, how, how did Will Sanborn do? in these, uh, in these <laughs> training sessions. Uh, no, Will was, Will was fine. He had, he had a great work ethic, but I will tell you this. He is not a runner. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, uh, home to first is probably the, the, uh, the best for him, but as far as going two miles, no, that's not <laughs> that, that, that wouldn't be something that I would see him doing on a daily basis. Let me just put it that way. But Willie was a tremendous worker. My goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah. I can just, you know, still I, I is. Mean, yep. Still uh, yeah, is. No, no, exactly. I mean, you, yeah. you guys see it today, but he loved baseball. I, 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 I've told this story a million times, but I can remember coming back with the basketball team. Like we'd been to Thomas or someplace. I can't remember, but we come back in. It's 1130 at night. And he's got his soon-to-be wife feeding the pitching machine in the chamber of horrors, and he's in there hitting. And I'm just <laughs> going, yeah, yeah, that would that would probably be you're, you're going to get the most out of yourself if you're doing this at 11:30 at night. So that's incredible. Yeah, I've heard that story. That's that's a good one for sure. Yeah. So you coached him in basketball at Bonnie Eagle High School. Can you do you have any yeah. me- first memories of coach Sanborn? Yeah, yeah, once again, I mean just a not a not a great athlete, you know, not in in basketball, you know, not a guy that had it come easy to him, you know, quick twitch muscles and all that sort of stuff, but just a kid that I could put him on the the other team's best player 
and he would dig in and, and just play. And it wasn't always easy and it wasn't always pretty, but he would, he would do it. And, and the same with, I mean, he wasn't a great offensive player, but, but he got the most out of himself. And he was a fabulous, as you can imagine, teammate. I've come to learn that there's probably not enough people who have an appreciation for people who are great teammates and what they do to the chemistry of the team that, that allows you to, to be, you know, successful, even maybe, maybe not so much on the scoreboard, but you, if you get along with each other, the practices are competitive. And then all of a sudden something, something good happens. I went to Bonnie Eagle and, and this is, this has been my, my moniker, uh, Corey, is that all of my jobs, and I've had many, some of which I've gotten fired from. Yes, I have. But uh, uh, it seems like I've taken over programs that, that were down or they were, they were changing or, you know, just like the St. Joe's job, right? They were building. Well, when I went to Bonnie Eagle, they had just gone from class B to class A. And so it was a tremendous shock to the, the whole community because now instead of trying to beat Cape Elizabeth and Wyndham, we had to play South Portland and Portland and, you know, Thornton and, and those teams. And so it was, it was quite a thing, but anyway, Willie was on that first team that we, we actually made it to the civic center. That was the second year that I was there. You know, he was a big part of that. So. Now I want to, yeah, I want to talk about the year that he set the walks record uh, <laughs> in 1985, 51 walks. I mean, that hasn't even come close uh, to being touched. And I know he was a top of the order guy or, or a table setter yeah. type player. Well, you know, that was the thing because I remember back then the, the Boston Red Sox were leading Wade Boggs off. Now, he was he was hitting 350, and and they let him off because he he could hit. Well, Willie that year, I think, hit two, uh, 312 or 310 or something like that. But, but his on-base percentage was like over 50%. Because he had a fabulous eye, and he never he never swung at at bad pitches, you know, which, which is the essence of baseball. If you mm. if you if you only swing at strikes, you're you're probably going to be successful. The number of times that he had a count two and one, uh, three and one, uh, something like that, was un, unheard of. And I let him off because, you know, he wasn't the fastest guy, so he wasn't going to steal a lot of bases. But he was always on base for for Pike and Mucci and those guys to, to uh, you know, drive him in. And uh, tremendous, tremendous eye. I think that was the year that played 48 games. Correct. And so, you know, if, if you figure this out, if he was up four times, right, in, in 48 games, that's that's 180 at bats. Yeah. And, uh, you know, 51 walks. I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> I, I mean, just add that in. Just just say, okay, he's got 51 singles. I mean, what's your, what's your batting average? <laughs> right, right. And he had 53 runs scored, which is tremendous, obviously more than a run a game. Yeah. And you said he, he hit 312. That's 10th on the team that year. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it was, as they would say in baseball, there was a hard 312. So yeah. Every time I looked up, I mean, he was he, he was on base. I had forgotten that he scored. I, I knew he had scored a lot of runs, but I, I'd forgotten that he scored over one, one a game. I'm sure that that, that is uh, 
He may not mention it to his team in in those terms as far as this is what I did, but I'm sure that that they're disciplined at the at the plate too because that's that's what it takes, right? Discipline to not swing at bad pitches. And sometimes you get 0 and two, and all of a sudden you're going to get that you know that pitcher's best pitch, and uh, you know it, there's a there's a tendency to to want to you know at least hit the ball, not strike out. Tremendous uh, discipline. You mentioned a handful of different jobs when you came here, and one of those was kind of the uh, maybe the unofficial athletic trainer. Uh, you know, talk about your background in that area and and how that played here. Yeah, uh, well, when when I was hired, uh, I had been a combat medic in the army, and uh, I guess that I guess that that qualified me. Yeah, I think a sprained ankle is 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 something you can handle if you've done that. <laughs> well, yeah, as I said, I, I think I was better with gunshot wounds than I was with sprained ankles. But anyway, wow. But uh, but but yeah, they put you through a, a pretty good training program in the in the military. So so I mean, I I had been dealing with uh, injuries, you know, through through my career. So uh, when it, when I got there, that was that was one of the things that they needed. And, and back then there was a lot of schools didn't even have athletic trainers. Mm. And so, and so I, be, I became the guy that, you know, taped ankles and, you know, we had a whirlpool down in the, down in the train. They, they had, a, they built a training room there in the chamber of horrors. So we had a whirlpool. We used that a little bit, and, uh, but it was a, it was a unique position because, you know, other teams would show up. They wouldn't. They wouldn't have anybody. So I'd have to tape their ankles, and then. But I was the assistant coach at the same time, and so, uh, you know, it was it was kind of a interesting uh, uh, dichotomy there yeah. of, uh, of a thing. <laughs> but and and I and I can remember one of the players for Thomas dislocated his little finger. And he was the six eight kid that was pretty good, and he was having a good game. So anyway, so yeah. I, I I took him out, and you know we we were ultimately able to reduce it, and it went back in. I taped it up, and I come out, and Rick goes, "What the heck did you do that for? You should have told me." <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! But anyway, uh, that was a story for another day. But uh, yeah, that was. Uh, that that was unique, and, and I did that. I want to say for six years, they ultimately hired a, a full time uh, trainer, which was which was obviously uh, the uh, right way to go. But uh, yeah. once again, it's going to sound odd to people who are listening to this today, but that's where small colleges were back then. I mean, you, you had to do you had to do whatever you had to do. As I told you, I mean, I was the intramural director, so. You know, after basketball practice, I'd be in the gym until eleven o'clock at night while they were playing whatever. You know, and, yeah. uh, and uh, you you know you just you, you you did it because that's what St. Joe's needed, and we wanted to provide the best that that we could for the school, and 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 you just did it. I definitely would not. I couldn't do it today. Let me let me just put it that way. So. <laughs> It's a labor of love, right? You're not you're not looking at your watch, seeing what time it is most days. No. It's, it's uh, no. you know you're doing it for a purpose and giving kids a good experience, and you're enjoying yeah. it yourself. We had we had great kids back then. I mean they 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 appreciated what we were doing, and they were glad to be part of something that was moving forward and getting better. As you know, Corey, looking back at that time, 
I mean, we won. I don't even know how many WIMAC championships uh, in the in a year we, we we would win. But I mean, cross country was good. Volleyball was good. Baseball was good. so. You, you know, I mean, you just it was just it was it was fun to be a monk. It really was. Yeah, and I, I just want to touch on you know I've done podcasts with with Rick Simons and Dick Bailey and, and now you and of course Mike Mike McDevitt. It must have been quite a department to be part of. Every we day couldn't. had to be an adventure. <laughs> We we couldn't wait to get to work. It was fabulous. I mean, you 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 around people who you who you loved and respected, and and they were working just just as hard as you were. I mean, uh, I I chuckled when you were uh, interviewing Dick about him becoming a softball coach because he told Rick, "Well, listen, I, I'll just I'll just do a little." You know, I'll just kind of monitor the team here a little bit, and we'll go from there. <laughs> the next thing you know, he's out there in his suit, you know, raking, raking the field up, and you know, re- recruiting like heck. And <laughs> that's what St. Joe's was was about back then. I mean, we had recent admissions, and you know, Fred Stone, and you know, the uh, financial aid people, and everybody was just working together. Like I said, I mean, you 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 couldn't wait to get to work because you you know you had fun with the people you were there with and we were all you know doing something that that we loved and that we were good at we were the cornerstone of 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 saint joe's and uh, and where it is today they need to look back on those glory years so yes and and a lot of it was and what rick had said several times was you know if you outwork the other guy you know yeah. you're gonna have success and i think a lot of that was you know what put this college on the map and and that athletic department and coach Simons and some of his, you know, his recruiting uh, abilities and, and just how, how much of a showman he was. Do you have some good stories, like a good quick story about how, you know, didn't they do like turkey bowling and, and all that kind of stuff at <laughs> halftime? Rick took the team to New Orleans and we, we played uh, the University of New Orleans. And I remember walking into the gym and, and that's where the, the Chamber of Horrors came from. Okay. Because they, they, they had that moniker that said, abandon uh, hope all ye who enter. And uh, it, <laughs> And so, and, and we were down there because voodoo is really big down there and all that. And so Rick said, let's uh, name this the Chamber of Horrors. But yeah, Rick was the ultimate promoter. I learned a lot from, from him that you could take away. I mean, I mean, he, he, he had, you know, Jolly John giving away a car. Uh, yeah. You know, the, it, you know, I mean, just uh, unbelievable, you know, throwing cash on the floor and letting some college kid pick up $100. I mean, how much fun could, could that be? Having raffles. I'm missing half the stuff that he did, that he did, but he was the ultimate in that, in, in that whole thing. Plus he, he was an, an entertainer in that he realized that if you play basketball a certain way, it's, it's going to attract, you know, people to come watch. Mm. And, and obviously those, those teams that, that I helped coach and, and he obviously brought in, I mean, they could, they could play. I think we led the nation in scoring three out of those eight years that I was there. And, you know, with the Jeff Creech Duncan at six feet and yeah, and and David Chadbourne and and those guys. I mean, it brought the the chamber became alive, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got you got halftime giveaways, half court shot must have been for a hundred bucks or something. I I can't even remember them all. Well, and if that place had two hundred people in it, it was packed, right? Oh my God! I mean, <laughs> I don't know whether you, whether you have any of the game tapes from back then, but like when we, when we played Husson. 
I mean, literally, when I, I would get there, we would walk down. There'd be lines outside the, the gymnasium to, to get in. And, I mean, it would be wow. – I, I don't even know whether we got a thousand in there, but I, but but it was close. Holy cow! Keep the and keep I, the fire marshals away. <laughs> oh, oh, I know there was there was no way that that they would have allowed that. But I mean, I, I can remember so many times. Uh, my my baseball team would all be there. And I remember one time uh, we had one of the USM players trapped right in front of them, and we had two guys in front of him who had him trapped. And my baseball team's all standing up behind him with with, with their hands right over him too. It was like he was in a a, a tent or something. It was it was it, it was it was it was fabulous. A basketball game was was, was an event. It, it really was. Well, and no. taking taking something like that, where you know it wasn't much of a, wasn't much to look at or to play on, probably, but to lean into maybe a weakness and make it a strength like that, is, unbelievable, is really unique. Yeah, and, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, some people would have said, "Well, well, number one, how do you how do you, how do you attract a kid to come here?" But then come come, come watch a game. I mean, I mean, yeah. you'd be saying, "Holy mackerel!" I, yeah, I, I'd like to play in that environment. I th- I think we all did that, but Rick obviously had had the showcase program back then, and 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 to have the Chamber of Horrors be the focal point of that of that program, I mean it was it was fabulous. I, I can remember when we first went in there that in '79. Sometimes we wouldn't have any heat, and uh, <laughs> God, it'd be you 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 could see your breath, but you're out there, you know, going through basketball practice, and then but. It was it was the chamber. You had you had the the referees changing in the janitor's closet, and the other teams had to use the ladies' bath. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. But and you joke about having an office in the bathroom, but that that is really what happened. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. definitely. I know, I know. I mean, but you know what? I had an office, and I was I was working at at a level that I loved, and uh, you, you know, it, it it didn't matter. You know. It, as they say in the army, it's mind over matter. If you don't mind it, don't matter. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it was great. And then, you know, little things happened. They, they added the addition, and then we got the feels. And then now with the uh, – when I go up there today and I walk into those offices, I'm going, oh, my God, we could have put, you know, three three coaches in this office, you know, in the 80s. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, it's not like that anymore. But, I mean, again, going back to the Chamber of Horrors and, and how – I don't know if people even know that, you know, there was an article in Sports Illustrated when the, all the other St. Joe's came around yeah. and, and Nesson came during that really long home winning streak later on. And I mean, some really, yeah. really big, yeah. big, big yeah, time news had, outlets. Uh, you know, uh, Rico Petroselli, the former Red Sox, yeah. uh, he was working for one of the stations out of Boston. He came up and interviewed Rick. Rick, the tournament that you're talking about, I mean that that was in Sports Illustrated. It was in the the, the Boston Globe. It was it was picked up all uh, nationwide. It was great for the school. I, <laughs> you should have seen that, Corey. They put the, these strobe lights up in the up in the corners of, of the gym. So, like when Jeff Creech went in for a dunk, those strobe lights would, would go off, so so they could get a decent picture because it was so dark in there. It was a little unusual to have all of that going on, but Sports Illustrated, I think uh, Rick probably told you they were they were there for a week, yeah. and uh, and uh, you know obviously interviewed the president and the sisters and uh, everybody else, and that was that was that was a heck of a time. 
And uh, when we when we defeated Biola out in the NAIA, I remember being on the front page of USA Today. Wow. Uh, you know, little 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 St. Joe's upsets. Uh, you know the the number. I think they were fourth in the nation or third in the nation at the time. And uh, you know it, but it was it was St. Joe's, right? Our women's program was out there in in Kansas City, and our men's team won, and uh, it was it was a, it was a great time. Yeah, what a what a what an era! And like you mentioned, cross country and women's basketball, like Ziggy Gillespie, who had his his cross country team and national prominence, and and Jane yeah. Zimmerman, who I who I believe coached pretty much every women's team we had at that point. She got everything going. I uh, I don't know whether she's in the Hall of Fame, but 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 she certainly deserves it because you know that was back when Title IX was coming in. Yeah, and 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 she did everything to get that going in the right direction. Let me tell you this story about uh, cross country because uh, we 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 obviously were very good, and so that they're running the New England cross country event at uh, Rhode Island College, and so Rick schedules a scrimmage that day, and so our guys are out watching our guys run, nice. and I, I I laughed at this even today. <laughs> One of our guys, like Stu Hogan, would be coming up, and there was there was a guy in in front of him, right, and so our guys would say, "Stu, that guy looks really really tired in front of you." <laughs> <laughs> You know that that had to play into into that guy's psyche. So that's and, uh, awesome. Uh, it was it was fabulous. But but that's how it was back then too. Every every team supported every other team, and uh, you know it was it was it, it was a good time. So you're speaking of Hall of Fame, and Gene Zimmerman is in the Hall of Fame, by the way. She was a 2006 okay, 2006 good. inductee. But congratulations to you, Coach, on, on going into the main Athletics Hall of Fame. It's quite an honor going in with Mike McDevitt and, and uh, yeah. a bunch of other greats from, from Maine. Talk about what that means to you. It's uh, quite a humbling experience, Corey, because I, I, last year I was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, and to have basketball on me is, you know, when you, when you grow up in, you know, on a hen farm in Walderboro, you never think that any of this stuff would ever happen. And, uh, you know, sports was something that was very important in, in our lives and the lives of the Graphams. And I, I, I know, you know, this, but my brother's being inducted too. So, uh, my uh, family would be, <laughs> my, my, my parents would be very, very proud, but to, to, to have, you know, on to be honored like this, I need to say this. This isn't necessarily about me as much as it's about the players who played for me and what they what they bought into and and uh, you know the the self discipline that they had and the and the being good people and and all of that stuff. You don't you know you don't obviously you know get get awards without uh, having somebody help you. And uh, I thank Rick for giving me the opportunity to even you know start my my coaching career at the, at the collegiate level. And uh, you know and this is this is very very humbling to me because as I said you know when you you don't you don't ever think about these things when you're you know 16 years old and <laughs> and you're feeding the hands out back but uh, it's uh it's it, it, it's it's a tremendous honor it's one that I uh, I'm really going to uh, cherish so this is this has been great Greg. I, I appreciate the opportunity to revisit uh, some things that were very special to me and my family and uh, and to everybody so uh, and uh, 
as I said, uh, I'm 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 proud of what uh, was was accomplished, and we had we had fabulous players who bought into the uh, well. We used to say Simonized, uh, graphemized, you know, yeah. and it was just kind of like that. So, uh, <laughs> so coach, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate this. I'm I'm truly honored to to have you on, and and again, congratulations on going into the Hall of Fame this fall. Hopefully, we'll see you around on campus sometime uh, in the coming months. I'll definitely be back. And, uh, Corey, I, I appreciate the opportunity. And St. Joe's is a special place. I hope that it continues to uh, to do what it's done for many, many years. So, Well, folks, that was Jim Graffham, former baseball head coach, men's basketball assistant coach, athletic trainer, intramurals director. We probably could go on and on and on and all the things that he did here in the early 80s. Thanks, folks, for listening. Uh, we'll have another podcast soon with a surprise guest. <laughs> <laughs>